Welcome to Occasionally Awesome. I'm Nick Youssef. I'm Kevin Christie. New new way to, you said it different. I just like uh, yeah. more of an uptick on yeah. the awesome <laughs> because this episode is super awesome. It is true. They're all fun. They're all good episodes, but some you're you know a little extra excited about. Yeah. Um, before we get into that stuff, let's just get some information out of the way. Um, do you have any gigs or anything coming no. up? No. Steady plug? failing. Steady Straight failing. up. Straight up. Being pushed out. <laughs> you got uh, you got Neil, Neil yeah, Brennan Sunday, and Friends. Yeah, Neil Brennan and Friends. I'll be at the Comedy Store this Friday and Saturday. Um, okay. And then I got um, this month, as like every month for the past seven months, um, the workshop show. New material. New material night at the Comedy Store. Once a month in the belly room. This month is November 18th. Lineup is coming together now. It'll be posted on the Comedy Store's website. The last one was great. Nick Swartzen uh, was there. Jay Larson, um, Emily Heller. I host all of them. Mm-hmm. And then really funny comics come work on brand new material. It's a really cool, laid back, fun show. So this one's November 18th. Uh, check the website for the lineup and get tickets to that. It's always a fun show. Um, December 16th through 19th, I'm headlining the San Francisco Punchline. And on Friday, Saturday, I'm recording my next album. So please come. Some of you have already hit me up and said you've gotten tickets. Thank you. Hot. I love you. But those of you who haven't, get on that. Because I imagine the people who are going are going to go to the Friday, Saturday ones before they go to, you know, because Wednesday, Thursday. They'll be good, but... Um, the Friday, Saturday, you know, it's the weekend, and those are the ones I'm recording. So get tickets to that. They're not expensive. Go to my website, nickyousef.com slash forward slash gigs, or just go to the Live Nation site or the Punchline site. They're all – and the, there's a link in my Instagram, and I have a tweet that's pinned to my page, so it's the very top one. So this is very easy. It's like a one- or two-step process. Right. <laughs> you go to one of those things, click the thing, get the tickets. Um, let's see. I ordered those pins. I keep talking about. Right. Um. So I'm gonna have uh. I'm gonna have merch. Merch. Little piece of merch. Uh. Little little soft enamel pins. Um. They're gonna look super rad. And once they come in, I will. Um. You'll be able to buy them on my website. I'll I'll tweet and Instagram some photos of them, and and, and all the links and stuff. Um. We're probably gonna have a, another podcast shirt soon. That's it. The yeah, fear I mean, in your eyes right now, Kevin, when I mention that. You're yeah. like, Ugh. It's really the fear in my right wrist. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah. I've, I, I think I've circled uh, w- what I would like to draw. Whoa. So this is and now good I just news. have to draw it. Because last time... It took, uh, this whole process took seven months, I yep. think, from, I got a couple ideas to, I've narrowed it down. You have to, we can't wear I'm not saying we should, <laughs> but I learned from last time in that I just have to keep going. So what's going on with that? Yeah, it's like how you, like, if you are dating someone who's perpetually late and you want to be someplace by, na- leave by nine, you're like, we got to leave at eight. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah, and yeah. you gotta keep going. No, are you ready? But get yeah. ready. Yeah, but hurry up though, because we're gonna be late. You just gotta lie. If you don't like, say anything, there's traffic. Yeah, if you don't be saying anything, she'll be like, "I think I'm gonna take a second shower." You're like, "No." Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's good. Yeah. Thanks for keeping me in the loop on what it was. I had no clue. I mean, 
Jarvis. It's gotta be. It's gotta be something. That's that's, that's the weirdest thing <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> it's got. It's gotta fit in. It's gotta fit into the line of uh, the history of features. <laughs> it's gotta fit into the. Has to fit into the uh, the rhythm of the visual history of cotton art. What? What? Yeah. Does that even mean? It means something. I know, but what does it mean? Because right now the people listening are going, "What? What? It are needs he? to be a part of it. it. Needs to be a part of the the t-shirt yeah. visual history. Okay. It has to. It's like a small. You have like picture like a river. It has to be like a small ripple, mm-hmm. but not flat. But it doesn't. I don't want it to be like a splash to where it's like begging. That's just fit into the. That's to be familiar and different at the same time. I know. I, I, all I was saying was, last week you were like, "Yeah, I got a few ideas," and then, then you picked one. But I was yeah. like, "Thanks for letting me know." I mean, it's not for sure, for sure, but it's like I think it is. Oh, we just added another three months to this process. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> speaking of making things, right? Um, Colin Hanks, you guys, yeah. Uh, first of all, a fantastic dude, yeah, good dude, awesome person, solid. Um, great actor, yep. Now, a director, yeah, guys. He directed a documentary on Tower Records, which, um, if you were born anywhere and been alive since the year uh, like 1960 something, yeah, 64 something, yeah. to about 2006, if you were of the age where you could go places and use your eyeballs, you saw giant buildings with a yellow and red logo that's yeah. a Tower Records, and they sold everything. Yeah, if it was music, they everything sold everything music related. Yeah, and they had Tower Video and Tower Books. Uh, they closed in 2006. Colin is a huge music guy. Yep. Um, he knows his stuff very well. We always talk about like uh, about like cool music and and what he's into. He's always into something where I'm like, oh yeah, I'll listen to that. Yeah. Big RDO proponent. Big fan of RDO, which is a great streaming music app. Uh, I would say the best one. Um, and uh, so he he for the last what seven eight years. Yeah, uh, was working on this documentary. He's from Sacramento, uh, grew up there, so he was going to the original towers and stuff. And uh, tower closed in '06, and that was like it's kind of heartbreaking if you're like a music guy and spent a lot of time going there or any record store where you yeah. you're having conversations, you're talking, you love music. It's like a good place to be and discover new stuff and like make friends. Um, so he put kind of all those feelings and stuff into into making this documentary. And it's out now. It's um, it's not out in every city, but you can find out the cities uh, it's in now. It's spreading pretty much like weekly. Go to towerrecordsmovie.com, uh, and you'll be able to find where it's playing. We're not going to list every city, but it is or a state, but it is in at least fifteen. Anywhere from obviously California and like Oregon to like. New York, obviously, and then North Carolina, Tennessee, Wisconsin. So it's like it's not just in the you know the big cities and right. the and, and the huge states. So and it's I think it just came out somewhere in Canada in Toronto. So check that website and see because it will come to a city that you live in and watch it. I saw it last week. It's really good. It's touching. It's it's interesting. I learned a lot of stuff about. Um, 
that company. I did not know how huge it really was. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating how big it got in the and the way it got big. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, so. the way that, the way they ran it, it was kind of like a family operation sort of thing. Even to when it got to 192 stores yeah. like all over the world. So it's a really great story. They did a lot of groundbreaking stuff. Uh, Colin did a great job with it, and uh, and now you can see it. Go support it. Support the movie. Support Colin and his efforts. Uh, I loved it. Um, and if you live in LA, obviously it's playing at the ArcLight, so go watch it there. Um, I think that might be it, right? Yeah. Um, and let Colin Colin Hanks on Twitter, by the way, C O L I N H A N K S. Let him know how much you liked it. He'd love to hear that. So follow him on Twitter uh, or Instagram or both. Um, and let him know what you thought, man. Um, and we thank him again for doing the show. Yeah. And I think that should... Dude, I feel like that I'm having that thought in the back of my head where I'm forgetting to mention something about this. Next week's guest? There you go. Yeah. Um, we did record the episode for next week, and it's also a fucking super cool one. There's a book coming out called... The Comedians. It's a hundred year history of comedy yeah. all, from vaudeville all the way to like podcasting, basically, which right now you're thinking like, oh, a 2000 page book. No, it's like 400 ish or something. Yeah. It's a great read. I read it a couple months ago and I've been dying to fucking talk to people about it and the author. So Cliff Nesteroff is the author. Uh, K-L-I-P-H-N-E-S-T-E-R-O-F-F. Uh, originally from Canada, uh, did comedy for a little while, became a writer. It, he's just one of those old Hollywood guys. Knows a lot he has of a fascinating depth of knowledge. Totally. To this. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to anything old Hollywood, and he knows a lot about comedy. Yeah. Wrote a book on it. That book comes out next week. Uh, I think the same day as the episode. Yeah. So that's next week's episode. That one's going to be awesome. We had a really cool conversation with him about where he started, when, how long he did stand-up, and then writing this book and like what the hell that was like, yeah. getting a hundred-year history of comedy into a book. Um, so yeah, that's next week's episode. Uh, you guys are going to love that one as well. So with that being said, let's quit uh, rambling. Ten-minute intros, I think, is as long as we go. Yeah. yeah, we usually try and keep them at five or six. But sometimes you got a lot of cool information to tell people. Um, speaking of which... Last, last, last thing. If you like our podcast, you guys, you always let us know. I get a lot of emails from you guys, and I appreciate that. I answer every single one. Um, leave some reviews on iTunes. Um, those help. You know, leave uh, like a, a five star review or whatever your honest, yeah, <laughs> your honest star review is, and leave uh, and leave like some kind of review. One sentence, two sentence. Hey, I love this podcast. Hey, fuck you guys. Um, hey, you should listen. What, you, what your favorite episode was? What you like about us? Kevin's got a great body. Um, and as Kevin's level of interrupting me <laughs> lowered a little bit, you were you, that was between sentences. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, let us know because that that helps us, man. Um, okay, that's it. Enjoy this episode with the super awesome Colin Hanks. Everybody. start with thank you for doing this please um, and thank you for having a tower records party 
Dude, I was so glad that you came. I was so glad you asked me to go. Yeah. He was going to go, but he had a buddy in town and couldn't, yeah. couldn't make it. Sorry. I told him, I'm like, uh, so you're prepared to miss the coolest, most nostalgic thing? Because he grew up out here, too. Yeah. Oh, okay. And he's like, what am I about to miss? And I told him, he's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Like nine O's in a text. <laughs> well, the thing that was super crazy was, and, and what's funny is it didn't occur to me until like the next day, but I'd been so focused on throwing this party you know, at the Tower Records and painting it up and yeah. trying to f find a way to pay for it all, that it didn't occur to me that people were going to see the movie, A, which is like <laughs> a pretty <laughs> big deal. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like people are finally going to see this movie I've been talking about nonstop for seven years. Yeah. Uh, and then they're going to have this like melancholy moment, hopefully. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then they're going to drive down the street and see it. Yeah. And go in it and you know i mean it's not the same and we don't have like stacks of uh, records and shit like that but at least it was like you know this great way to like celebrate what they did and it didn't occur to me until i saw all these people like walking in and it, it, it's like as close to you know adults going into like disneyland for the first time right when yeah. they're huge disneyland fans you know what i mean yeah like, the look of pure joy on adults' faces was so cool. It was great. Just walking up that ramp, I was like, I never thought I'd do this again, and yeah. then yeah. turn into Tower Records. It made, it, just the pictures of it made me go, how is this not sustainable just for this one? Like, can't there just be this one? <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. what I found myself thinking. Like, there's not one incredibly rich dude who's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make one Tower Records. And make one record store left. Like, we can't the, have this one, please. Is, is the name still like... The name is now currently owned. The IP, the, the intellectual property, is now owned by um, uh, an entity. Uh, and they're trying to decide what to do with it. They've just sort of been, been squatting on it for a while. Yeah. Um, there's still a tower.com that runs. Um, it's not very well run. Um, yeah, I mean it's not it's not a very good uh, uh, website. Uh, it's basically like an Amazon-ish type, type uh -huh. thing. But um, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see what what transpires. I mean, my hope is is that somehow this movie kind of I don't know juggles, you know, jingles, you know, the the it, old. It feels like it would coin purse. The stuff that's yeah, been yeah. in there since at least the sun, the, the Sunset yeah. Boulevard one isn't rad. <laughs> Yeah, no, and you want to know what? It's funny, that Sunset Store in, in particular, that's been like the cream of the crop in terms of stores that go in. There's a, there's a, a, a tower down in Brea. Okay. Um, and it's just a furniture store, like basically right. just an empty store with furniture, and they basically just put a tarp up that says furniture and put it over records. Ugh, so it says man. tower furniture. Oh my God. It's super, <laughs> it's such a bummer. <laughs> oh such a downer. But yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. Uh, Flippogram was in there for a while. That didn't really make sense, but at least they kept the building nice. It was better than that sort of like cheesy, uh, clothing you know, store. Yeah, there was whatever. a clothing Dutch store. Clothing store. It yeah. had like okay. involved the name involved lots of X's. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of a um, bummer. The good news is now Gibson has that lease on that spot. So oh, right. they'll Yeah, so they're gonna um, they're gonna do something with that space. They're gonna try and and keep it as uh, spiritually musicy, safe yeah, and sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which is cool. So they were the ones that actually like you know helped us you know throw the party. Yeah. And oh, nice. Paint it up and all that sort of stuff. And, mm. 
Uh, and we'll s- you know we'll see how long that name can yeah, be yeah. up there on that wall. What was you the initial like gave you the initial desire to do this? Because you said you've been working on it for seven years. Yeah. So basically, growing up in Sacramento, I spent a stupid amount of time in Tower Records growing up. I've been um, to that Tower Records. That's the one where Metallica played. They had a contest. The Watt Avenue store. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that yeah, that that's the one that sort of featured, you know, prominently in 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 the mm-hmm. movie. Um and so growing up in Sacramento it was always, you know, sort of a big deal that Tower was from you know, my hometown right. and, and and all of that. I had a godmother that had worked there. Uh, before I was born, a couple of my mom's friends. Did you ever work there at all, or no? No, I applied twice. Really? <laughs> yeah, I applied in Marina del Rey and and uh, the one over up by Third Street in Santa Monica in yeah. college, and they both pretty much said the same thing. They were like, I asked for an application. They're like, you know, we could give this to you, and you could fill it out, but I'm just gonna put it on this stack of applications about, yeah. you know. <laughs> A knuckle deep <laughs> right. and we're never gonna get to you so i mean if you want to fill it out you can and i was like i'll fill it out and fill it out and <laughs> yeah never, never heard, heard from them no, again no 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 straight uh, up at least they were brutally honest i'll take that right but yeah so growing up i mean i spent a lot of time just hanging out at tower yeah because you know i mean as most kids do in high school there's not really a whole lot to do you don't really have a whole lot of money and until you start like smoking dope and shit like that right you're, right you're re- really just trying to kill time and right. so that was pretty much what I did. And so when the stores were closing, I found out about Russ Solomon and, and how he started selling records. So the founder of Tower, he started selling used 78s out of his father's drugstore. His father had like a classic soda fountain Americana drugstore. Um, in this sort of iconic building in Sacramento, the, the Tower Theater building. And basically, it was like they started selling used 78s. They sold out, and so then they bought new records. And what started off as like a little shelf in the store, you know, started taking up more space. And yeah, taking up yeah. More space, And then it had its own, like, room. And then it was the Tower, you know, Record Mart. And, there, I mean, there was, you know... A couple of, you know, incarnations of his sort of early, you know, music uh, merchandise retail business. Um, But when I found out that it had started like that, I straight up said, like, that's a documentary. Yeah. I mean, if if he starts like that and then closes 192 stores on five continents, (laughs) you know, 50 something years to 60 something years later, like that seems like. (laughs) documentary material yeah Yeah. that's a story yeah and then from that from that point that was like the launching point for me to then start you know doing a bunch of research and finding out more about the company and sort of learning about its its sort of overall arc and its history and then after i don't know maybe six or nine months of like really doing a bunch of research and sort of putting together basically a, a team of my friends who all grew up in Sacramento together um, who had moved down here and had sort of started, you know, their own careers down here in, in Lollawood. Um, we then made our pitch to to Russ. And he was the one that was really adamant that, you know, it wasn't necessarily his story, that Tower was much bigger than he was. And right. Uh, we needed to talk to 
these other people because they were the ones that were really instrumental in making it what it was. And then it just sort of took on a, a life of its own by that point. It's, I mean, the just the story of it is big. And just in watching the preview, I started to think about that every time I would be, like, I remember I was like, oh, yeah, you would, I, whenever I'd go to Chicago, we would just go to the Tower Records. Yeah. That it was, and then I started to remember, like, oh, yeah, Tower always had, like, the best magazine section. <laughs> yeah. Like, even, like, I would buy a CD, but they would have, like, all the best magazines, not even just music magazines, but just magazines in general. Mm-hmm. And then they, then they would have, like, the best, like, they would have a really good book section. Like, it functioned as, like, this culture catch-all in a weird way for, like, kids. Or if you wanted to be cool, you're like, oh, I could absolutely. get... You could buy a t-shirt at Tower and be like, not right. feel lame. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was... It was um, man, I mean, I, I've been with this thing so long that it, it's kind of... Even I kind of have a hard time remembering that, you know, at the end of the day, what we're talking about is a retail business. Right. Whose sole purpose was to sell, you know, yeah, to, stuff. To, to sell stuff. Yeah, make money. Um, and to make money and, and right. do all that stuff. But there is so much about what Tower did that was incredibly revolutionary and very different from what the norm was at that time that, you know, in, you know, 2000, whatever we're in, it's kind of hard to, to you know, you don't think it's that big of a deal. But like, the creating an environment where you could go and hang out and spend as much time as you wanted, be completely entertained, and yet still leave without buying anything and that being okay. Yeah. yeah. That's very, I mean, that is not something anyone recommends in a business class. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And even these little things that helped foster that sort of uh, aesthetic or, or mentality or whatever really started off very very early on like right at the beginning and it just got bigger and and bigger and became much more of the 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 fabric of what tower was like for example in the 60s they opened up the first proper tower records um in 1960 and one of the big things that russ was very adamant about was that there was no dress code now that does not seem like a very big thing at all now, right but at that time if you were a salesman in any business, you had to have a clean cut haircut. Yeah. You had to wear a suit and tie and you needed to be incredibly personable and try and, you know, walk out on that floor and let's go sell some, you know, whatever's you yeah. know. vacuums. Yeah, <laughs> vacuum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Let's go sell some washing machines. Yeah. And here's this company where they that just wasn't part of the deal like you just you could wear whatever you wanted you could look however you wanted and I'll, you know albeit in the early 60s it's not that you know style is not that radical do you know what i mean but right. by 68 yeah within eight years that becomes a very big issue you know that becomes a very big thing because all of a sudden you have this total split between one generation and the next yeah and that younger generation is all about music and you know trying to come up with their own identity and you know all of that sort of stuff that we now sort of associate with pop culture youth culture anything like that yeah it 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 makes me think that maybe that was like the birth of the like kind of not snooty but like record store employee guy who knew what was up who you could be like the record does this record rip yeah. And he could be yeah, like, yeah. fucking shreds, dude. Yeah, or yeah. like you would almost be embarrassed. Like th- I wouldn't go to Tower Records and buy like a lame record. 
No. Because they're not going to, whoever works there is not going to be like that cool about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Just be like, what are you doing, bro? Well, and especially if you're spending a lot of time in the store. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, like, it, you know, I mean, remember a couple of times where I'd spend like, you know, an hour, two hours in a store, and I'd like think I know what I was going to get, and then I'd like spend a good five minutes wrestling. We're like, all right, so. Should this be the one? You know, yeah. Because they've noticed that I've been here for like two hours. Right, right. So is this the one I'm going to, you know, put put the credit on, so to speak? You know, What I used to do is is I would go in and do the, I would sandwich them. So I'd get like the thing that was kind of cheesy. So yeah. I'd be like, I really like Gordon Lightfoot. And <laughs> okay. I know this like tattooed snob. But then I'd like above it would be like a Pantera record. There you go. And then below that would be, you know, like some punk record. Like it was some, like, like you were buying condoms. Album. So you're like Gatorade, yeah. condoms, uh, so this magazine. Get, so they look at it. And I do this at Amoeba. I still to this day will do this because it's just you've conditioned yourself. So I'll give him the three records and the guy will go, sweet, bro. And then the middle one, he'll just won't say anything. And the third yeah. one will go, I got this one, too. It's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> but like the overall feel is like, you know what you're doing. But a the little, middle one. A little spoonful of sugar to help that. Medicine. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know it. I know it well. Yeah. I mean, it was just there was so much about Tower that really celebrated um not only whatever was cool or popular, but really just all different kinds of music, you know? And I think especially, I mean, I think here in LA, we're a little bit spoiled because we have an Amoeba, which yeah. is, a, a, you know, a huge record store. Oh, yeah. that has, you know, all sorts of, uh, you know, new vinyl, you, you know, UCDs, full, you know, a whole room dedicated to classical and oh, jazz yeah. music. You know, that's very, very rare. But that was something that Tower did um, very very early on, and yeah. their whole their whole thing, their their main like cornerstone was, we're gonna have as much music as we can possibly fit into this store. Yeah. We're going to have an incredibly deep catalog. We're going to have as many of the albums from an artist as we can possibly fit in. So it's not just, hey, you know, our jazz section is gonna be. You know, Coltrane, Thelonious Monk, and Miles Davis is just going to be like, you know, their three most popular records. Right, right. And then we'll do that for every genre. They were like, no, we're going to stock this with as much music as we possibly can. And the more obscure shit there is, the better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the people that ran each store, they really ran it like it was their store, not like it was Russ Solomon's store, not like it was Tower's store, but like it was theirs. One of the people in the in the documentary made an interesting observation where where she said everyone at every tower felt like theirs was the first. Yes. And I was like, I never really thought about it till later on. But I was like, I always used to think the Sunset Tower was the first tower record. Was the first, yeah. Because no. they just had that feel. Yeah, and that is really sort of, you know, the, the really funny thing is it is 100% true in almost yeah. every city. And it shows you how special they actually were because yeah. if, if, you're, if you're feeling like that and no one told you that, I mean, it's just an assumption that you sure, make. Yeah. It shows the quality of that store. Yeah. You know, um, where if you go to a Tower Records in Nashville and you think that that's the first one, mm. you know, like, oh, man, yeah. Oh, this started here. Yeah, that's like I mean, that's well, they all feel local. 
Yes. Because what they, I mean, you'd walk in, there'd be a bunch of local flyers around or things mm-hmm. for things. It, it and felt employees like, that aren't like worried about their job. They're just like hanging out. Yeah. They're like, that's no, a guy totally. that lives here. He's from here. He works here. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You know, which is hard, a hard thing to do to pull off when you're like a multinational chain. Yeah, man. You know? I mean, the thing I realized in talking with Russ and talking with those people that, you know, they just, they were there at the very beginning of, you know, the, the sort of, like I said, the sort of pop culture youth wave, whatever cool term you want to use, and I know that those are neither cool terms <laughs> that, that anyone uses. Um, but you know, they were there at the beginning, and, and for lack of a better phrase, they were able to sort of ride this groundswell uh-huh. of popularity. And with that, they always kept like finding themselves in the right place with the right attitude, and that was really sort of the first. That was when I started, you know, researching, that was the thing that actually was most interesting to me at first before I really found out what the story was with, you know, all the different people that worked there. But for me, it was just sort of more from a historical aspect, looking back and and noticing this trend where they would kind of like pop up in the right place at the right time with the right attitude and it would become a success. And then, yeah. and then they, they tried again in another location. So, you know, they, they open up this first store in Sacramento in 1960. It does incredibly well. Obviously, the Beach Boys and all this music starts coming in. So they, they open up another two stores in Sacramento. So they sort of get a little bit of a feeling for it. Russ, uh, we don't even cover this in the documentary, but Russ was a concert promoter at the time. Oh, so really? Book, yeah, so he booked the Rolling Stones, Beach Boys, Dave Clark oh, Five. Wow. Which at that time, keep in mind, is actually sort of a big deal because uh, Bill Graham is just sort of starting to rise to prominence yeah, in he was San not, Francisco. Yeah. Wow. And so it was kind of like, you know, any band that was coming through San Francisco, Russ would also book in Sacramento. Right. So he opens up these three stores and sort of does pretty well. And then he decides to shutter the, you know, the promotions gig and just focus on stores. And so he... You know, the the San Francisco, the how he finds the San Francisco store is just... Yeah, it's a good story. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he basically finds it hungover <laughs> <laughs> after a night of, 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 of womanizing. Um, right. And, um, and so then he opens up that store, and it's March of 68, you know, right before, you know, I mean, some people say the Summer of Love is 67. I... I I wasn't there, so I don't really know. But obviously, that's a very important summer in the Bay Area between, Mm -hmm. you know, Berkeley and San Francisco and that whole sort of Haight-Ashbury scene. That's when it's all really starting to become, you know, incredibly well-known. I mean, that that city, for lack of a better phrase, is about to be invaded by, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, dirty, dirty hippies. Right. and so, like the timing of that, oh well, how 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 fortuitous that is to yeah. be able to to open up this huge store right yeah. at that exact uh, exact moment. You're about to be invaded by uh, th- throngs of people who want records. Yeah, and right. the, Russ actually says, you know, it's like you know, you can call it the hippie movement, but really, it's the music movement. That's yeah, really totally. was the defining, you know, the, the common thread throughout all of that. And then that becomes, you know, that story becomes, you know, very successful. And, and then they sort of hit on you know oh so this is this is what we'll do we'll open up big stores with these you know really deep inventories you know because i mean you can f- say you have a deep inventory but you know your store really 
lets you know how deep your inventory is based right. on how much space you have. Of course. Well, now they can. Now they know for a fact they can open up a huge store, and they just throw out tables, cup, you know, open up some cardboard boxes, and those are your record racks. You know, you don't even need to build record racks at that stage. Yeah. Um, and then within a few years, they're building their first store uh, on Sunset. Yeah. You know, so that and you know that alone is like, oh, I didn't know Tower built that store. You know, they built it for seventy grand. Yeah, what? I mean, like it was a friend. Yeah, that worked there. Yeah, uh, oh, Russ's cousin <laughs> had fixed up the San Francisco store, and uh, uh, his, uh, uh, Russ's cousin Ross mm. was <laughs> like, "Oh, I'll I'll help you build a store." Yeah, great. So uh, Ross and this guy Stan Goman, who ended up becoming the COO of Tower, he had you know thirty five plus year career at Tower. He <laughs> he helped build that store. I mean, it's basically like, you know, two dudes and a couple of workers every day, and they built that fucking store. Yeah. What, how did he say it was built? He's like, it was some, it was a prefab or something? It was a something? prefab building, which basically yeah. just means that it was, it was already. It's know, a rectangle. It's, yeah, it's basically just mm -hmm. a rectangle. You know, it's like a, a erector set. You know, yeah. here yeah. are your pieces. Here's how you build it. It's like one of those sheds you could buy. There right. you go. Yeah, pretty much. But what a great story to shut down someone who works for you. Who's like maybe being a dick? You're like, I built it with my hands. <laughs> yeah, you well, piece of shit. <laughs> what was crazy was when we had the party the other night. Stan was there, and I said, you know, Stan, if you go in the back there, you can still see the outline of the the tile. And he goes, really? Oh I yeah. Go, oh yeah. They still have like a dirt outline on the concrete floor. Because um, Stan, you know, says in the movie that he laid all that tile with his. You know, that's I mean yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. It's super cool. Um and so, you know, then it just and then it just keeps going. It just keeps they keep doing that over and over and over again. Yeah. And things that end up becoming, you know, start off as just like a crazy idea and you know, and or accident, they just keep going and keep going. And yeah, the the like first Japan store yeah, the first and they were just like, "Wow, that was a lot bigger than anyone imagined." <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I mean, I didn't know that they went to Japan before they went to New York. Me neither. Yeah, so when I was like doing all this research and I was just finding out all of these little interesting facts, I go, "Oh, okay. Well, this is fascinating. I really yeah. get this." And then once uh, again, like I said, like once I talked with Russ and found out just how personable the company was and, mm -hmm. and what a what a family atmosphere it was amongst all the the people that worked there that's when i said okay this is this is a this story will work absolutely <laughs> uh i now it's just my job not to to fuck it up and try and tell it the best way i can right and you did a great job oh thanks brother yeah it was really good dude i mean the family aspect was so cool because i didn't know a lot when you walk down a street, you know, in any major city, you're going to see a Tower Records. You just assume a you just assume a bunch of dudes in suits run the place. Oh, you absolutely. don't think it's like this music lover, former concert promoter, like started a store, see, hired his friends. Yeah, when and I think did about it all in trust. When I think about Tower Records, in in almost in reference to what we're saying about feeling local, I never in my head thought there were that many of them. I was like, oh, it's too cool. Uh, there's probably like L.A., Chicago, yeah. Sacramento, San Francisco, New York. Like yeah, in my yeah. head, there was, it was like one of those. Sacramento on that list would be well, only because I saw it. <laughs> 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 like, I lived there for a summer, and that and it happened to be there was a 
contests that you could win Metallica in your town. Oh, okay, yeah. And yeah. they showed up with a flatbed right. truck and played in oh, Sacramento. Were you there? They, I was there then. I watched it on. I was I was down the street, but I watched it on TV. Oh yeah. But they played at a local bar. It yeah. was pretty amazing, to be deal. honest with you. That was actually a whole big promotion that they did where they wanted to do three concerts in one day. Yeah. Because they played Campbell earlier in the day, and then Sacramento was the evening show, and I think there, one of the other location fell through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a big... Because I, I remember I was in Sacramento when that happened. That was, a, that was a big deal. I always forget how much Metallica means to Northern California. It's a Northern oh, yeah. California band. Yeah, you forget yeah, totally. that they're like a legit... You know, you like, don't associate them with San Francisco, really. No, but no, they like they are... are. Yeah, they like they they but they, they played the national anthem at a, like a, at a 49ers game or yeah. like maybe last year or something. They're definitely on the the anthem uh, circuit, right? Yeah. As I see, like they're doing it at like Giants games a lot and Sharks. Games I'll take a Metallica anthem all day. Right there, you go. Over what age do you think singer. you got into like? Because you're a big music fan. Yeah, like we've talked music. You know your stuff. Like yeah. you're super into it. Yeah. What like when did you realize like oh I'm obsessed with it like this is my part of my identity I'm a music guy. Uh, it was probably in '91. Okay. Um, I was thirteen, um, or so. Uh, I had always been um, I had always been buying cassettes when I was younger. You know, the first Beastie Boys record. Yeah. You know, uh, Raising Hell by Run DMC. Um, and was sort of into, you know, I took a, a bus to school and so it was really all about like having a Walkman yeah. and listening to the, you know, those three songs on your way to school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But those three songs were like, oh man, this morning I'm going to come into <laughs> hysteria, pour some sugar on me <laughs> and then maybe, you know, maybe I'll the first track on the B side. I don't know. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Um, but so. I had always sort of um, uh, listened to music uh, as a kid. My mom listened to a lot of music in the car. Uh, she always had the sort of radio on uh, in some way, shape, or form. Um, and then ar around 91, uh, just so happens to be the, you know, the year that I tended to sort of have my own music taste that maybe my parents were not aware of yeah do you know what i mean because keep in mind like the beastie boys run dmc that sort of stuff like people those were that was a big enough deal that my parents knew about it at yeah. least. um but then once you get to you know late 91 then it starts becoming stuff that you know it becomes even bigger but i latched onto it before I'm not saying that I heard of it first. That's not right. Saying. You can say but that. This is no, a no, safe no. zone. No, no, you no, can be like, zone. I'm a snob. It's um, cool. When I discovered Nirvana. Yeah. yeah. No, when I discovered Nirvana, <laughs> I said, these guys are the bee's knees. You've got it. <laughs> um, but that was when all of a sudden my musical taste started really sort of going in a, a very different direction from, you know, everything prior. And that's, you know, the Nirvana record. It's uh, the Pearl Jam yeah. record. It's... Uh, you know, Blood Sugar, Sex, Magic, Weather, Chili Peppers was a big yeah. one for me. And then that spun out into Primus and uh, the Meters and yeah. Mike Watt. And just, I mean, just all sorts of stuff. And, yeah. then, you know, there was still, you know, uh, stuff that was 
popular at the time that I really dug to, you know, sure. like I bought that Stone Temple Pilots record. We all did. I bought those. We all did. I bought the concert tickets for that at Tower Records, right. you yeah. know, all that sort yeah. of shit. Oh, fuck. I forgot you could buy concert tickets. Yeah, there. yeah that you was, totally yeah, could. That was another big shit. deal. That was another big deal. The fact yeah. that that was where you could go buy tickets, you know. I, like, I don't I want now I'm trying to figure out what I bought tickets for there because I've done it. I remember doing it at least once. I wonder for what it was. For just face value. There was no service fees or whatever. Yeah. No, bass Fuck. tickets. You're just on. like, here's my money, and then they would give you your ticket. But um, yeah, so Tower was really sort of Tower, and then there was another, there was another, um, there was another sort of indie record store in Sacramento called The Beat uh-huh. that I went to a lot, and that one was actually sort of closer to my house. So when I was in the the pre uh, car days, I would just ride the bike to The Beat. And if you were really feeling adventurous, you know, I could ride my bike down to 16th and Broadway in Sacramento to, to the tower. Yeah. But once I got my my car, um, well, actually, it was, it was a minivan. Um, <laughs> Don't mind if I do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, thank you. Hand me down. Um, that's when I started going to the tower records a lot. And, yeah. then, and then that's when the really, you know, the hanging out, talking with the people who worked in the store. Um, you know, trying to find out as much about all the different kinds of music. Um, that's when I really started to get fanatical about stuff. Yeah. That's when I started to find out, okay, well, what are the bands that the bands that I like, like, and sort of those kinds of things. Okay. Well, blood sugar, sex magic's dedicated to Mike Watt. Who's Mike Watt? Uh huh. Oh, okay. He's this guy and he has all of these different influences. And he, okay. And sort of learning about music that way and at least hearing about, you know, other things that, you know, no one in my school was yeah. was talking about. No one in my school was was listening to. So you like made friends with these record store guys where you were like, oh, we have these common interests. Yeah. I Let's mean, to learn a degree. Yeah. To, yeah. To a degree, you know, to be able to, to sit there and 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 talk about stuff. I mean, I, it took me a long time. <laughs> it actually took me a long time to realize, like, it's OK if you don't know shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they didn't know shit at one point. Yeah, they learned exactly. it from a different yeah. dude. And so, you know, there'd be like, well, you know about, you know, this group. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know all about them. And then I'd wait for them to be, you know, helping someone else. And then I'd go and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> rifle through the stuff. And they're Memorize almost hoping you don't so they could be like, you should check them yeah. out. <laughs> Fugazi, what, what what is that? I gotta yeah. who? go who? memorize an album real fast and come uh, back. Yeah, yeah, we exactly. all lied about knowing who Fugazi was exactly. at one point. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but yeah, Tower uh, was definitely one of the places where that really sort of took hold. So, do you think now, like, where do you think like younger people are gonna go for that now? Because there's no like physical place you can really like just go shoot the shit about music and listen to it and learn and argue and discuss and like develop taste yeah i don't know i don't I, someone was asking me that the other day and I, I really i don't know i mean you could say that maybe starbucks or coffee houses are the mm-hmm. only equivalent of that right. now like a basically a place where you can go and hang out which is really what tower was so mm-hmm. As long as there's a place where you can go and hang out and not get kicked out, that's right, sort of right. the only place that you can sort of go. But you're not going to buy, you know, it's not a, it, not really like a record store on, you know, the likes of like a Tower Records. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, uh, so many people have been asking me like, you know, do you think it was better back then? And I go, it's not better, it's not worse, it's just different. Totally, yeah. And that I think is the big, the big thing to sort of always keep in mind because 
there's a lot about you know the modern day um, you know state of affairs and music that I actually think is fucking awesome. There really is the, um, the options. The options. The, yeah. the I can find pretty much almost anything. Yeah. W- you know, within a relatively short amount of time. Yeah. You know, I'm never gonna hear something is out of print. Right. Uh, you know, or if I want to try and find a record. Uh, with this obscure track, I can find out, like, wh- I can find out what it was actually called, and I can mm. look online. Like, there was um, the best example of this is the Ferris Bueller soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's an English beat song that was a remix of "March of the Swivel Heads." I had spent a decades trying to find this as yeah. a kid. I was like. And I found this song on the English beat record, but I was like, what is the fucking, how can I find that track? Well, eventually, you know, once I sort of found out how to work, you know, a computer and the internet, I was actually able to fucking find it. And I fucking bought it because they didn't have that on, they didn't release that soundtrack. Anywhere, ever. It wasn't released until just a few years ago. Yeah, I didn't Um, know that. And it was actually sort of like a big deal. And I remember, uh, like, Finding that, and I was like, bought it. I was like, okay, great. And then of course, yeah. a year and a so half later, they released that the soundtrack. soundtrack is right. so good. <laughs> that a is definitely a pro. There's a lot of songs like that that are on. Like there was that. It's it's called. I don't know how to pronounce. It, it's French, but in in European vacation, there's what sounds like a like a French punk song. Yeah. Sad blam, boomois or something. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, dun, dun, it's like yeah. the catchiest yeah. thing in the world. Yeah. And I couldn't find it forever. Yeah. And I it's was not just even looking that up the other night. It's yeah. such a well. It's in a commercial right now too. <laughs> yeah, I know that's why. But it's such a great song. But it's also not like I had. Like, it's also not like normal French. It's th- it's like Danish French. Oh really? Oh, yeah, because okay. I had a person, someone who speaks French, like listen. They're like, this isn't regular French. They're like, I can't understand it. Really, it's that's these funny. are, and so it made it even harder to find. Then someone just found it and burned it for me. But now you can find. If I googled it, I put the first word in of the song, and the whole thing came yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a shitty thing. No, it's you know great. I mean? It's a really amazing thing. And so, like, I really do m- miss, uh, you know, having a sort of place to go. I mean, I, we still have it with Amoeba, and there's a bunch of other really great record shops uh, here in L.A. Those are coming back, too. Like, record stores are, like, starting, like, little, smaller yeah, ones. Yeah, they're small ones, and then and they're they're coming along, and, you yeah. know, they're... They're surviving, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't say that they're thriving, but they're they're, they're doing okay. Um, but you know, for like my kids, th- you know, they're not really. I mean, I take them to record stores, but they're not really gonna be. You know, I don't think they're gonna be like, oh, we got dad, we gotta go to the record store. Yeah. I gotta go. <laughs> I mean, because they're used to being yeah. able to get shit right away. Um, again, you know, it's not. Uh, you know, uh, it's just different. That's yeah, all, that's yeah. that's all it is, and um, uh, and I've just sort of realized that it's just one of those scenarios where everybody's just getting older, and they're going like, "Whoa, God, things are changing!" Yeah. And I'm like, "Well, welcome to it's called getting older. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. going to happen a lot. Yeah, everything yeah. will keep changing. Everything will keep changing, yeah. and, and you're eventually we all just end up." that grumpy person that we made fun of when we were you just have to try really hard not it's it is like an effort not to become that grumpy person i just i try like with music i just try and do both now where i don't like 
just consume way too much online because you don't really sit there and focus. You yeah. don't listen to like full albums or yeah. really get into an artist. So like I'll do a, a little bit. I'm like, I'm only going to get these two albums on like Apple Music or Artie or wherever you're going to yeah. be and listen to those. And then I'll go to an Amoeba or whatever local record store and just walk in and be like, what's playing right now? Yeah, I do that. Talk too. to the guy. Discussion. I do that, yeah. yeah. Because the journey, the discovery is like where you stumble into cool shit that that you wouldn't otherwise know. Because all those apps and, and stuff, they learn about your taste and they just kind of give you more of the same. Yeah. They don't and lead I you want, down a road where you're different. like, yeah, totally. I, yeah, I want, I want different. Yeah, I mean, that's how I've been functioning. Mm. Uh, ironically, I didn't get into streaming until I started making this movie. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but then again, when we started making this movie, Walmart was the number one music retailer. And Which is so crazy. iTunes, and then that fell out, and now it's all streaming. But, mm. I mean, that's what I do. I, you know, I, I have an RDO account, which I love. I yeah. think RDO is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It's laid out. I think me, you, and Jonah Ray are like the champions yeah, of RDO. Yeah, well, but, yeah. It's, but it's true. Like I, and I described it as the Apple of the streaming services mm. because it's very clean, it's very easy to do, and it's based around the album. Yeah, it's not just you know here's this crazy playlist or anything like that. It's pretty pretty self-explanatory. But I use that as like my listening booth. Mm. That's my listening station. And then if there's something that I really dig, I'll you know buy it um, on vinyl just so that I have it right. in my collection. But I'm a weird dude, so yeah, I do the same thing. Cause like the I mean, getting into vinyl too, it sounds so snobby and pretentious when I tell people like you collect records. I'm like, it's not about like showing off about it no. it's like about the experience you go to the record store you buy it like either yeah. an album you've always loved yeah. or a new one where you're like this would sound good the ritual of putting it on and then having to focus on the album yeah oh absolutely you know? and really again like the 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 thing that everyone you know the things that we're talking about that the thing that you know people really uh miss about record stores and all that stuff Really, I think what they're really talking about is they they miss being younger mm -hmm. and having the time and yeah. the energy mm -hmm. to really be able to do that. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, when I was, you know, in 91, 92, 93, when music was pretty much like the main thing I identified with, it was the thing that uh, I latched onto as yeah. like, this is who I'm uh, who I want to be this is how I want to be you know all of those sorts of things those are all very young things that a majority of kids do yeah you know they become obsessive and they want to learn everything there is to learn about you know this particular person or this band and they want to dress like them and they want to do all that sort of stuff that's really all you know uh, a very young way of, of going about things and the the thing I keep saying is you know, uh, along the lines of, you know, it's not better, it's not worse, it's just different. Kids are still doing that. They're mm -hmm. still yeah. wanting to find out, you know, for lack of a better, you know, person, they still want to know everything there is to know about Taylor Swift. Sure. And they want, and it's much easier now for them to find out stuff about Taylor Swift. Yeah. Like you don't have to buy, you know, uh, uh, you know, Kerrang! magazine. <laughs> right, right. Or any of these sort of teeny bopper magazines now to find out about, you know, uh, the, the artists that you're into. Now it's, it's just a different way of going about it, but it's all still happening. It's just now it's a little bit different, you know. Now it's not sitting there and looking at the um, 
you know, looking at the uh, the covers and wondering what these people sound like in conversation because you can go online yeah. and like yeah. see an interview with them like that. You know what I mean? And so really, when people talk about all that sort of stuff, I just go like, yeah, I, I miss being a kid too. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, I miss free time. Free yeah. time is pretty yeah. rad. Yeah, you're like, I got six hours to kill. I guess I'll just go to the record yeah. store. Like, I mean, I'm, you I never know. have six hours to kill as an adult. The young no. people don't know. Like, they, they never even, like, were familiar with the things that we missed anyway, where you're like, no one, like, looks at a, an album cover anymore, the liner notes. But to them, the, the to them, it's like, they never experience the album cover or liner notes. They just click on yeah. the series of interviews that artist and has done. And that's their... Yeah, that's, that's their, liner their liner notes. notes. That's yeah, yeah. their thing. You know, it's... Uh, the way I see it is like... Uh, um, the liner notes... Well, really, what's replaced liner notes? The website. Uh-huh. That's what it is. Yeah, totally. I mean, I remember, you know, when I got to college... Um, going to the uh, the computer lab, mm-hmm. where you could you could just go in and you give them your card and you could just go on the internet. Yeah, you could surf the web. So <laughs> I would go, you know, and the you know was a uh, w- navigator, or whatever Netscape, Netscape navigator. Netscape navigator. Yeah. <laughs> go and all of a sudden I go, wait a minute, are you telling me there are all these people that have like Pink Floyd websites? Yeah. Great. Cool. I want to find everything I can find out about that fucking wall movie that yeah. you know scared the bejesus out of me when I was a kid. Or all those albums where they never printed the lyrics. Yes. And you could never figure it out. And so what are they Now saying? there's answers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, again, I, I'm a big believer in um, uh, the power of boredom. Mm-hmm. And basically, just wanting to kill time and trying to come up w- with ways of entertaining yourself that, sure. uh, that uh, for lack of a better phrase, are healthy. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and for me, you know, going to the record store that was part of it. But then I was, you know, I'm on that cusp because mm-hmm. I was around when they stopped selling singles, mm-hmm. and so you know, I was around when the internet sort of became this thing where all of a sudden. Maybe I wasn't going to a record store to kill a few hours. I was like going home and sitting on my computer and right. going into you know some AOL chat room, uh, you know, being uh, propositioned by people who are probably forty-five years old, posing yeah. as uh, as young kids. But um, <laughs> right. uh, but I remember and I remember how exciting that was. And yeah. what was the thing that we would bond over? Music. Totally. What bands are you listening to? Oh, I'm listening to the new Rancid record and da 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 da. You know all uh-huh. that sort of stuff. You know, that boredom, you know, there was a lot more boredom to be had in yeah. the seven, 60s and 70s. Yeah. There were three channels <laughs> right. to choose from. Do you know what I mean? And uh, n- nothing good was on those three channels, really, the majority of the time. And so you went outside, and it was really about being bored with your friends. Right. Where'd you go? You'd go to a record store. Well, now it's a little bit harder to get bored. Yeah, where do kids loiter? Yeah, I know. I mean, just like going and sitting outside of a Seven Eleven, you'd they'd loiter online. I think they yeah, just well, like look I mean, through Facebook feed. Yeah, 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 that's definitely part of it. Or they loiter together online. Yeah, I you know, think like there's let's meet up and all just hang out on our phones. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think there were, totally there's still like it. a transition period right now with that, where people are still trying to figure out like how much is too much and how much like real life do I need versus computer life and where's like where's a balance, you know. You got yeah. I mean, you definitely have to have a balance. Yeah. There are a couple of times where I've been like, "Holy shit, that was a 
bender. Yeah. yeah. I was like, wow, three hours online. And, like the sun's out. I could have taken a walk. Yeah, had exactly. lunch with a friend. Exactly. Yeah. Hence why I walked here. <laughs> I like, right. I gotta, I gotta walk. Yeah. I gotta go outside. It's really nice out. Yeah. Even getting like ten or twenty minutes of, of whatever is like it. It breaks you away from that, and you let yourself be bored. Yeah. Which is super. We're still pretty important. excited about our technology. So I wonder if that'll change when it becomes com- when it becomes completely enmeshed. In all of our everyday lives, where I still think there are gadgets coming out, we're like, "Holy shit, you can do this!" Yeah. And, and maybe yeah. that, maybe people will get back to maybe going outside will become a cool thing again. I think that it's leveled off a little bit with music because it, yes, w- when it all went free, everyone went crazy and they yeah. were just like, "Give me like a hundred gigs of music and then fifty more gigs in a month," and you're like, "You haven't, you haven't." absorbed any of it yeah yeah. you're just taking and taking yeah but i think with these streaming platforms like minus the fact that they're ripping off the artists i mean the artists aren't getting anything and that sucks it does suck that 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 yeah. sucks but they are they are adjusting too they're yeah. learning how to like all right that's the lay of the land now there's yeah. no way to undo what's online yeah and and how free or cheap everything would be and they're figuring out other ways merch and touring and and, and all yeah. that stuff and um but I think people are starting to finally like slow down a little bit. They're like, I don't, I don't need to like collect all this shit because I'm paying nine ninety nine a month, mm-hmm. and I can just like explore a little bit and like listen to a full album maybe. Well, there was an interesting article, oh, maybe about eight or nine months ago, um, that came out right around the time that we had locked picture on, on the tower dock, and I, I actually thought it was really interesting where they were saying. You know, it was along the lines of the, the, the Taylor Swifts and all them, you know, taking a stand um, uh, with streaming and, and, yeah. and everything. And and obviously, you know, you've got your top, you know, 1% of the, you know, the big name groups and everything. And, you know, they need to make waves about paying to help things out for the little guy. But. One of the, this article was talking about the fact that really the people that benefit the most from streaming are these obscure acts that have long been forgotten, yeah. that are not the most popular thing in the world, but now there's a, it's easier for people to find, find it. Yeah. Because these things can now be shared quickly. They can be, you know, emailed or text or anything like that. And so you have these artists that are you know not necessarily you know incredibly well known that are getting their music out there and you know some of these artists are you know haven't been around for 30 years 40 years 50 years yeah and that when someone like a taylor swift or you know like uh uh, dan and pat from the black keys when they're when they're you know fighting uh you know for you know a better deal on their streaming or you know or even fucking radiohead with you know all the stuff that they've been doing it really is genuinely for the greater good of the musician. Yeah. Um, and it really does affect everybody because there are so many other artists now that are actually, you know, getting a second crack at it you yeah. know, to a degree. Or in a lot of cases, a first crack. Like, yeah. peop- like a band that's living in, the, in like Des Moines, Iowa. Oh, like yeah. we don't have to move to L.A. We don't have to do we can just make a record here. Yeah. Put it online if it's really good. Like we stand more of a chance than like. In 1998, oh, absolutely. there were like three record companies. Absolutely. They created stars. They made way too much money. Yep. And then everyone else had nothing. Yeah, totally. So now it's like kind of in, it's more of an even playing field. Yeah. And the less money thing, people always like to compare it to like, well, we're not making what you used to. It's like there were like nine 
big stars making like a hundred million dollars a year yeah. and you're like it and then the record companies were making outrageous money um it, it's incredible yeah it and, really is incredible yeah they compare it to that and you're like that was over that was the other extreme yeah and then it went free which was like well no one's saying that either but yeah, like yeah, yeah. let's find somewhere in the middle well, I mean, and you know, the other the the other aspect of this that has always been incredibly fascinating to me is that, you know, my day job of of wearing makeup and pretending to be other people, that mm -hmm. whole industry has been looking at the music industry and saying, "How do we avoid this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how do we how do we stop this from happening? Mm -hmm. What do we do so that we don't <laughs> implode like like they did?" Yeah. And, you know, to a degree, I think, you know, the film or TV industry, whatever you want to call it, has done a, a, a well, a considerably better job at sort of co-opting and embracing the fact that this technology is not going away. Yeah. And trying to make the technology work for them in, in, in a manner that, that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Because really, ultimately, the thing that is so weird is that the music industry, which is multifaceted, <laughs> right. there's there's the merchandise element, there's the touring component, like there's a there's a, a bunch of facets to the music industry. Yeah. But the music industry said like the only way this can be consumed is this one way, right? With a CD, that's the only way. <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, I mean, they just said, okay, well, if you're saying that that's the only way, we'll just go around that completely. Uh -huh. And now with the, you know, with the, uh, with the film industry, they're saying like, well, no, it's not, you don't just have to go see movies. You don't just have to go see, you know, see it on DVD. You don't just have to see it on streaming. We'll come up with as many different platforms as we possibly can. Yeah. And that sort of is working, you know, to a degree, you know, or you look at public radio what public radio has done. They never said like, you can only listen to this on this one frequency right. on a radio. They said, no, we We'll find ways to do it. Yeah, know? we'll put it online. We'll make it a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. The music industry was incredibly stubborn as they lost that battle. Well, yeah, man, because they were making a fuck ton of money. There was so much money. They I mean, didn't want to lose. One of our guests a long time ago, he's an art, he was an art director. He was the head of the art department at RCA for years. Mm -hmm. And just to talk to him about video budgets oh. is incredible. It's yeah. insane. He's like, you don't understand. He's like, I, we used to make a million dollar music video and it was like not a big deal like we the kind of money was just so insane that you get why that many people hung on to it like everyone was just like A&R guys everyone was loaded yeah. it was the cool and it was not only everyone was getting rich it was the coolest job to have fun job to have most jobs where you get credibly rich are kind of boring like a lawyer or some shit yeah but like if you not only did you get to like dress like that like yeah. my friend never not wore a leather jacket, and he was had a cool as shit job. Right. Like everyone looked cool and was loaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most and rich people don't get to like. I'm gonna hang out with Keith Richards today for work. Yeah, they're always <laughs> just in a room on a conference call. It sucks. Yeah, right. and that, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, um, which I think is a phrase I've used a few times uh, <laughs> this afternoon, but um, that was oddly one of the things that really ended up being an important sort of theme for the, the, the doc, which was, you know, here are these people that they weren't musicians, they weren't big label people, these were uh, just regular kids 
that wanted to get a job in the music industry. They were able to get in at the ground level and they were able to f find a company where they could work for 30 plus years, have health yeah. insurance, you know, yeah. uh, 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 live the life that they sort of wanted to live, have a whole lot of fucking fun doing it. Yeah. And it, it wasn't a place that they hated to work. Yeah. And how special and unique that is um, to have uh, a job that you love, to have uh, people that you like to work with, to be able to say, you know, oh, you know, I worked at the store when Elton John came in and would buy the all these records and all that this was sort of fascinating stuff. footage. Were, by yo, the way. that's that's that footage is is nuts. You yeah. know, all of that. I mean, that's a, that's that's a really special thing. And these weren't, you know, necessarily the coolest kids in in you know in class. These were the guys who were just like, I love this. This is what I want to do, and yeah. I like having a good time, and I like to work, and so. I'm going to do that. And they ended up getting to experience the music industry for you know, 30, 40 years. Can I ask, and it wasn't mentioned in the documentary and I, I want to know if it was intentional or not, what those people ended up doing after, after tower closed. You know, I wanted to kind of get into it, but once you get into that, then um, the, the stories start splintering. You right. know what I mean? Because some people um, stayed sort of in the, like Heidi Kotler, for example, she stayed within the book world. Uh -huh. um, but like Stan Goman, he went and uh, opened up a, a like a, a copying shop, like a sign making shop. Uh -huh. um, but then that closed. And so by the time we had started, they some people had already had like stutter stops with you know what they were doing next and then within seven years it was just like i i, I can't mention what they're all doing because they all sort of split so it was really much more about not what they do after the band breaks up but right. just wanting to stick with the band breaking up yeah and hopefully you know it's a little bit of a cheat i will i will totally admit but hopefully people would wonder what they did Right. And would get, the, you know, I mean, if I can just get them to care about what they did mm -hmm. right. afterwards, great. Yeah. <laughs> then you leave them wanting a little bit more. Sure. You know what I mean? Are it the, also le like left you. Like a pop you, song. Like, yeah. <laughs> leave them wanting more. It left you more focused on what they did for that 35 years instead yeah. of like, because sometimes it doesn't always, you know, end up great. They didn't like go on to another bigger, better thing. So you don't want to leave going like, oh, the, that poor guy. Yeah. Because the way they were talking about the place, it's like they... They loved their life. They loved that 35 years yeah. of like, this was the coolest thing I could have ever done. Yeah. Totally. Like I loved every minute of it. And then, you know, all things must pass. Yeah. <laughs> well, like even Russ, when we started uh, the documentary, he had opened up another record store. Oh, no way. He opened up another record store in Sacramento that was um, the location of one of the tower uh, records up there. Wait, what's it called? It was called R5 Records. R5, okay. Um, and I think it maybe lasted like two years, maybe. Uh -huh. Um, right. Then it went bankrupt. Did he? Wow. Did the founders, like the main founders, did they stay? Did they get incredibly rich and stay rich, or is it the kind of thing where, like, as it went down, they stayed in too long? No. I, here's here's what I here's what I can say. They're financially fine. Okay. Good. Personally, it bothers me so much. Like all the, all the four <laughs> yeah. or five main. Good. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, Russ is fine. Yeah. Um. You know, of the 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 main group there, everyone is. 
you know, they're still working and, uh, you know, they've all got their own different jobs. Yeah. Um, they're all, you know, still employed trying to, you know, m- make their way. I mean, they're not, they're, they're not living a lavish no one's homeless. lifestyle. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, good. no one's homeless, but they, <laughs> thank they, God. They, they're not resting, uh, on mm. their, on their accomplishments by mm-hmm. any means. They, they still got to, but 190 stores, wouldn't it at some point, someone was making incredible amounts of money. I mean, they definitely made a lot of money, right? Um, but it's also over a large span, you know. Span but it's of time. over a large span of time. Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting sort of uh, um, one of the interesting things that we sort of pulled from when everyone was sort of getting fired and the corporate restructuring people came in is one of the ways that they tried to save money was okay. Well, if someone is making uh, Two hundred thousand dollars a year. Let's fire that person, and we can hire two people at one hundred thousand dollars right. a year. Okay. So if I'm just going to go off of that number, two hundred thousand grand, that's pretty good for a year. That's yeah. that. That's a lot of money. But you know, in two thousand six, you know, has that person been saving up? Yeah. <laughs> right. Has that person been you know fiscally responsible in their own life? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't necessarily really feel it was my place to, to ask those, sure, those yeah, types yeah. of questions. So I, I look, the, the, the main thing is, is that when they all lost their jobs and, you know, some lost their jobs, you know, prior to the stores actually closing, but regardless, eventually they all lost their jobs. They all had a major readjustment period. Yeah. And some of them handled it a little bit better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that anyone uh, handled it incredibly poorly, but there was all a big wake up call, you know, because, um, yeah. again, there's this point they the company never. The company saw growth every year from 1960 until sh- around 2000. I couldn't believe that when they said that. It always made money. That's it incredible. Always That's made money. So rare. So there was for no a preparing for us. Why would they ever no, think? You yeah. would never think that it's going. There to was end. no. Well, this reminds me of when it happened. It yeah. never fucking happened. No. There were more conversations like, "Why wouldn't I buy another Porsche?" Yeah, like, yeah. exactly. Or, and, yeah. Which is not to say that it was always peaches and cream. Like there were uh, years where, you know, the music industry was taking a dive or there were Mm -hmm. issues that they were having and it looked like things might maybe change, but then something would happen (laughs) that would pull them out of that. Do you know what I mean? And so when you're talking about that kind of success for 30 plus years, yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't necessarily think, I mean, I get comfortable after, you know, (laughs) A couple of d- awesome days in a row. I'm like, great, dude. I got things made up. <laughs> right, right, right. Day happens. Yeah. Like, oh my god. They were doing very, very well for a very long time. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's cool that. Um, I mean, I I like that you just focus more on like the place and like and and how they all felt working there and like what it did as far as like just the numbers and all that stuff. And I think you're just used to at the end of a documentary going like, well, what happened? Cause it's always like, and then now so-and-so of course, but yeah, it yeah. didn't, it didn't like, it didn't really matter. Yeah. Cause you're just like, that's, it, it was such a unique company and such a cool way of running it. Yeah. Like you see that and you go, why isn't every CEO exactly like Russ Solomon? Exactly. Why don't they get it? Yeah. yeah. No. Why? 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 Why can't more businesses uh, uh, take from this? 
yeah and and improve upon it you know um that was uh that was really sort of eye-opening i mean when i first met russ sort of ties into what we were talking about earlier when you think like the ceo of this huge company is going to be you know she's going to wear a suit and have a scar and be like what is it kid you know yeah sort of thing. say and the I, word like bottom line a yeah, lot yeah yeah exactly well, a, yeah. <laughs> and i met russ and he's like you know golf shirt comfy shoes it's like what are you guys doing you guys are crazy yeah let's go right. <laughs> I mean, it's really the antithesis of and what that's I the exact thought. attitude that made uh, that put 190 stores like ah, should, should we let's go check it yeah, out let's all right do it. yeah yeah sure. here you know? yeah build yeah, it why not um and that ended up being a sort of one of the ways i ended up making this movie is i just sort of emulated what russ did uh, you know, I got really smart people around me and let them do their job, and I didn't, you know, micromanage stuff. I, you know, uh -huh. I told them what I wanted. I told them, you know, and basically when I would say what I wanted, I would say, here's what I don't want. <laughs> right. Because that tends to be how I operate. You know, uh -huh. I don't want, you know, I don't want a narrator. I don't want, you know, famous people the first three minutes saying why Tower is important. Here's, you know. This is one of the facts I want to make. This is one of the things I want to drive home. This is the vibe I want to feel when we're talking about the Sunset Store and having those conversations and then, l you know, letting, you know, Darren, our editor, go. Yeah. Letting uh, Stephen, our writer, you know, ask certain questions that maybe I wasn't necessarily thinking about at the time. But mm -hmm. he's a journalist. I'm just a dude who wears makeup for a living. <laughs> I'm just acting like I'm the director. So let's just... Let's too late now. You are a director. Yeah, yeah, what are you gonna yeah. do now? now? Yeah, now you are a director. For better for worse. One of them damn hyphenates. I know. Yeah. Fucking I'm gonna So do you want to direct it out. more now? Or you wanna like do, do you have like in the seven year period where you're like, I'm loving this, I could think of other subjects I'm passionate about that I could do a doc on? There are a couple of other subjects that I've definitely been toying with. Um and so is it it's definitely something that I want to do again. Mm -hmm. Um I learned a lot uh, in the the time it's taken for us to make this movie, yeah. and um, I've even used some of those lessons to sort of direct. Like these, sh I've done a couple of short docs, mm -hmm. uh, directed a, a, a short doc for ESPN, Thirty for Thirties, and about the uh, Giants mascot. Yeah, the Giants yeah, yeah. mascot. Yeah, yeah, oh. the, the anti mascot, and um, and produced a couple of was as well, so I, I'm a little bit more uh, knowledgeable about how this stuff works. But in terms of like taking on another um, feature documentary, I, I definitely want to do it, but I need to find the subject yeah. that really gets me supremely excited. And for whatever reason, that that you know, I got incredibly lucky with Tower. Mm -hmm. I, ju I just got very, very lucky that no one else was making this documentary. And for whatever reason, I just had to do it. Um, yeah. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to find uh, another subject like that. You know, I've got a few ideas, but nothing really. I have an idea, but I'm going to tell you after we're done. Okay. Yeah. So it's not, a, so no one can steal it. So no one's so on no one dirty pieces so of shit. So it, it. it is out right now and it's LA, New York. It's L.A., New York. It's expanding um, uh, every week. Okay. Uh, so um, people can go to TowerRecordsMovie.com okay. and find out where it is playing uh, in theaters. And then uh, if you if we're not in your town, you can uh, it'll it'll 
It's exist. getting there. Yeah, it'll exist in other shapes and forms okay. down the and road. And then on Twitter, it is uh, Tower Records Doc. Yes. At Tower Records Doc. Yeah. You are at Colin Hanks. Yeah, 1L, not 2. 1L, not 2. And then tow- the website one more time? Uh, TowerRecordsMovie.com. TowerRecordsMovie.com. Cool. This has been cool. This has been cool, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. Did you Thank enjoy you it? Guys for having me. I did, yeah. yeah. This is a little conversation. Okay. Yeah. Just, just three dudes. Three dudes. Yeah. Just three dudes. Hanging just three out. dudes <laughs> talking music, talking documentaries. Microphones in a gentrified um, neighborhood. Yeah, it's not a big yeah. deal. <laughs> I know you're super busy, dude, and thank you for th- yeah. taking the dude, time my pleasure. to do this. Absolutely. Thanks Everyone, go see this documentary. It's amazing.